2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
3: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be.
2: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What
3: up, America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the beautiful sunny city of Angels, where we like you're waiting for tomorrow night's NBA Finals Game Three. We're gonna have a series. Are we gonna have a, gonna have a po- possible sweep? Stay tuned. In the meantime, LeBron's talking about it. Steph's talking about it. Every radio show I've heard is talking about it. NFL players, NBA players are talking about it, and we are going to talk about it as well. I, I don't I don't really enjoy. It's like, look, I was driving in today, and I was thinking, damn it, I'm going to have to talk about flag kneeling, kneeling for flag and the national anthem again. Like, oh, oh. And then I caught my breath, and I started to realize something. I could be talking about T.O. going on our TV network saying he wants to make a comeback. Even less in, less enjoyable. Uh, no, I'm not going to talk a ton about T.O. Do you know why? Because no one wanted T.O. when he was uh, 10 years ago. Coming off an ACL when he couldn't catch. And he struggled to get along with people. All right? So 10 years later, when he gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame... I'm not biting into that apple. No, thanks. Instead, I'll bite in the Trump thing. So uh, the president of the United States. I believe you know who is who he is, right? President of the United States. Who, uh, I mean. If, if you want to know how ridiculous Twitter is, do you know how many followers he has on Twitter? 52 million. That's crazy. 52 million. Uh 52 million people. So anyway, um he has uninvited the Philadelphia Eagles. Quote, the Philadelphia Eagles from his uh, Twitter account. Philadelphia Eagles football team was invited to the White House. Unfortunately, only a small number of players decided to come. We canceled the event. Uh, staying in the locker room for our national anthem is a dis is is as disrespectful to our country as kneeling. Sorry. He goes on. Um, after a crooked Hillary tweet, uh, we have had many championship teams recently at the White House, including the Cubs, the Astros, the Penguins, the Pats. Alabama and Clemson national champions, and many others. National anthem and more great music today at 3 p.m. So, here's my assessment of it. I'm going to tell you right now. I think Trump won the anthem thing when it was going away. People weren't talking about it. Fewer teams were having players kneel. Kaepernick wasn't in the National Football League, and he. He said, you know, I'd fire those SOBs. And of course, it re-engaged players. Now they started kneeling because of what Trump said instead of what they originally standing for. And it became, as he pointed out to NFL owners, a winning topic for him. It was a winner for him. And it was was one of those where NFL owners are in a no-win situation, right? Like, look, if you allow players to continue to kneel, there's a portion of your fans that believe it's disrespectful and will drive them away. And in a business in which you, the the customer is, and like any business, the customer is always right. You need both sides to show up and watch football. On the other hand, if he, the, if they took a hard and fast stance, yeah, you, yeah, you make labor unhappy, make labor unhappy. And so um, in an effort to kind of put it all to bed. They came up with the anthem policy, which, oh, yeah, by the way, mirrors the policy of the NBA. And yes, last week, sure, we talked about it. some. at that point, Trump had won. He had absolutely won. He was the Atlanta Falcons, 28 to 3. And you know what he did? The same damn thing that the Falcons did. Need I remind you of Julio Jones catch when they're up 28 to three still for my money and anybody who has a brain, the greatest catch in the history of the Super Bowl. He, he makes the type of catch that I don't you couldn't replicate if you tried a thousand times over and he did it live and in a television set in front of the entire world to see. Had the Falcons at that point just taken a knee, three straight plays. Not even run the football. Take a knee, three straight plays. Kick a field goal. Go up 31 to three. That is that. But they didn't. They did. And if you ask the Falcons, hey, man, this is how we were all year. We did what we always do. We just kept playing. How'd that work out for you? This is, in fact, what Trump always does. Look, let's get down to it. The guy couldn't even enjoy the fact that he had the greatest upset in the history of modern politics. You can frame the Trump presidency however you'd like. The reality of it is, 50 years from now, they'll talk about a lot of the other stuff Trump did. The power of social media, the power of uh, Facebook, the power of foreign influencers and the potential of the influence... But the the truth is that the guy upset 15 establishment Republicans and then took down the Clintons and won an election. I mean, it was stunning. It was an upset, but he couldn't enjoy that. He had the win. But then he got caught up in the size. No, no, not that size. He got caught up in that as well. The size of the uh, the the crowd At his inauguration. Like, look, I'd like to think if I win the presidency of the United States, especially after taking down 15 establishment Republicans and the Clintons, I'm just like, yo, dude, don't care. I won. Don't care. Which is exactly how he should have played this football thing. Five guys show up. Three guys show up. Nobody shows up. You don't even have to take the high road. You can take the we invited them. They were too soft. They're too caught up in their politics. This is the White House. We conduct business on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They don't want to show up. I'm still the president of the United States. But he can't. He's doing everything he's always done. But this is a loss for him. This is a loss for him because he became cancel the party that no one wanted to show up to guy. Right? Cancel the party that no one wanted to show up to. And by the way, this is where it's obvious that he's not a real parent to his son. Because if he did, all he had to say was, my kid was sick. That's the best way to cancel a party. Uh, Sorry, you know, we'd love to have you guys over, but kid was sick. And nobody, like, oh, kid was like, Oh, we're not coming. You know, because nobody, because that means my kids get sick. That means I get sick. That means our whole house is sick. Like, Oh, gosh, no way. I honestly believe that the president had a, when he had 10, he had he had two tens and he just split them. He got greedy. He had a winning hand. He was the Atlanta Falcons 28 to 3. You know, the owners, they don't like him but they understand his power and they understand that they have to try and make all of their customers happy. Plus they have their players and that unhappiness and you know, the players aren't happy with the rule but ah, at least the rule mirrors the NBA and we didn't go to you, but we did have a sit down with you and all was good. Eventually you get worked out. But the truth is the owners knew that they, they couldn't fight the Trump thing. The players know that he's still the president. He was, he was winning. It was over. Kaepernick's not in the league. Nobody's kneeling again. It's over. And instead of enjoying the victory. okay. Taking down the NFL. Remember, a league that he tried to buy into. A league that said, hey, can't buy the bills. We don't want you. Remember that? In an effort to settle old scores, much like he has done previously, he, liked the Falcons, this is who I am. This is how we got here. He continued to try and win the exact same way. Which sounds great. But as we saw with the Falcons, you got to protect the lead. You got to play smart. Take the W. At the end of the day, no one cares if, you know, you go into a prevent, you go into your shell, you take a knee every time you get the foot. That it's not the it's not the 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 machismo the masculine way to win. Yeah, He's Deshaun Jackson. What's Deshaun Jackson famous for? Possibly being a gangster. Okay. Making ridiculous plays. But more than anything, Deshaun Jackson, not being a gangster, surrounding himself with gangbangers and getting himself run out of several spots. Deshaun Jackson is most famous for dropping the ball before he goes in the end zone. It was over. He had won. But life, or at least uh, politics... Are a lot like baseball. There's no real time limit on this thing. Fascinating day today. Uh, by the way, do we, have, do we have what LeBron said? He was he was asked at his press conference about it. He basically said, hey, look, I don't think either of these teams are going anyway. Uh, Steve Kerr, who obviously has great disdain for Trump, says "Like this is what he does. He's trying to divide us. We'll get back to normalcy in three years. Steph Curry is is kind of agree with what LeBron said. I think the NFL has has NBA has positioned themselves on the opposite side of Trump. But but um, I I really believe this that this was a this was a winner for him. It was an unfightable fight for the NFL and for the NFL's players, and it just became a loser for Trump. Here's LeBron.
1: Actually, just found out about it when I was walking up to the podium. I didn't really digest it enough, but um, it's typical of him. I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, I know no matter who wins this series, no, one's, no one wants to invite anyway. So it won't be Golden State or Cleveland going.
3: See, I've, I've long said that uh, honestly, I would go even if I was an anti Trump guy. Like, I would go because I would go because it'd be my only chance to have a legit conversation with him whether or not anything is gained from it. And I understand that people will say, well, you know, now you're, you're legitimizing. He's already been legitimized. He's the president of the United States. You're never going to get an opportunity to have a one-on-one discussion with him. And LeBron James would, or any of those Eagles would, but when you cancel, it's better off to make them no show. Make their no-show the story, not you canceling the party the story.
2: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Let's catch up with an FOD, a friend of Doug, a guy who, uh, uh, well, his team uh, eliminated me from college. His Florida Gator team in 2000. He went on to win two NBA titles. I went on to do this. He's the Red Mamba. He's Matt Bonner. Uh, He's a Spurs analyst now. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb show. Um, Okay, let's, uh, you watched both of these games. I thought, I knew game one was going to be a tough one. There's a lot of people freaking out about the overturn of the block charge call, but there was so much more that took place. As a guy who's played in these games that are of this much importance, what are your thoughts on how game one went down?
4: Well, I agree with you. Well, first of all, how you doing, Doug?
3: I'm good, man. Thanks good to catch up. Yeah, yeah.
4: Get our, get our pleasantries out of the way. By the way, yeah. uh, just a
3: side note before you do that. Uh, I will be in New Hampshire in like two yeah. weeks. Uh, North Conway. I don't know. Where, where in New Hampshire are you from? You from down closer to Massachusetts? Is that where you're from?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Concord, New Hampshire. But North Conway is an awesome town. It's like a vacation, touristy town. Tons of ski mountains, which doesn't help you in the summer, but great hiking. There's an awesome, uh, I don't know if you have children. I do. But there, there's an awesome uh, amu- old school yep. mom-and-pop amusement park called Storyland. Yep, they've right been there in North Conway. Yeah, they,
3: they, do a, they do a summer camp over in Freiburg. And so okay. we, we go, we drop them off, and then we go, go hang and do a little hiking, a little rediscovering nature. So uh, off-air, I, I may get a couple of spots to hit in New, in New Hampshire, and uh, we'll figure oh, some stuff out. For sure. For oh, show, all, for right, show. all right, let's get to like, uh, game one, go.
4: Okay, yeah, so, so to answer your question, everyone talks about in the playoffs how, how important every single possession is. You know, one, one mistake here, one miss shot there can can basically mean the difference between winning and losing, and we saw that. There was just a comedy of errors and mishaps by the Cavs down the stretch where if one of those factors changes, they win the game. Um, you can go right down the line, obviously, the block charge call. You know, Kevin Love's foul on the and one with Steph Curry. George Hill missing the free throw. The ref's missing the lane violation on the second free throw. J.R. Smith uh, not going back up with it and dribbling it out. Everybody on the Cavs who could have called a timeout when they saw J.R. Smith dribbling the ball out to give them time for a game-winning shot. It, it is a tough pill to swallow losing game
3: one in that fashion for sure. Okay. This is just, this just came to me. Okay. So I know you've seen the video of LeBron and the bench after the J.R. Smith play, right? Where LeBron, no one's talking to anyone. And then, you know, LeBron asked Ty Lue about timeouts. He's like, yeah, we had a timeout. And then LeBron kind of loses it. And there's, there's no engagement. That game was over. Take me back to when you guys lost to the Heat. It was game six, and yes. you guys missed free throws. Ray Allen hits a corner three. It goes to overtime. Do you remember what that huddle was like?
4: Everybody was just beyond devastated. That I mean, to me, that loss has to go down as one of the toughest losses ever. I, I remember sitting on the bench and they had our friends and family all behind us ready to go on the court for the trophy presentation. The Larry O'Brien trophy was, you know, just to the left of our bench in the tunnel, getting ready to be carted onto the court. They had security come down and roped everything off to keep the fans off. Uh, I mean, it was it was literally in our pocket. The NBA championship, what you work for your whole life and all season, and then bam, it you know, all those things went wrong that you alluded to and and we lost and then we ended up losing in Game 7, but I I think probably most people expected us to just get blown out by 40 in Game 7 because just mentally trying to come back from such a tough loss and everybody being so devastated. But, you know, what, what Coach Pop did, you know, he really gets the big picture of team dynamics. I remember we all, the whole team went out to dinner and just kind of Grieved it out together. I guess if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, um, and, and then Coach Pop did a great job, leadership perspective-wise, so that you know you, you can feel bad for yourself today, but starting tomorrow morning, you know, we got to refill the cup and be ready to go. We still have another opportunity to win. You always hear LeBron say, you know, be better tomorrow, that
3: kind of thing. So uh, didn't work though. I just don't want to point that out. Like, yeah, I mean, didn't. Yeah, everybody.
4: Everybody came together. We came out in Game 7, and we're down two with under a minute left. You know, gave ourselves a chance to, to win on their court. Um, and then the following year, obviously, we used that as fodder and motivation to come back and, and win the championship. But I know what it's like to lose a game in, in such devastating fashion in the finals. And mentally, it is difficult to come back from, but that's why team chemistry and being able to trust each other on and off the court comes into play so that you can come back from it. And, I, you know, I thought in game two the Cavs gave a good effort. You know, they could have easily lied down and just gotten blown out. But, you know, they gave themselves – I thought they gave themselves a pretty good chance for most of the game. Obviously, Steph Curry hitting nine threes doesn't help your chances.
3: Um, you, you saw this team up close. Of course, they were, they were without Steph uh, in that in that early series. And you know Durant was was incredible, right? I mean, just he showed his true skill. There's been a lot of discussion. I mean, like, look, those of us who played understand that all the pieces are important. And one of the reasons that the, the Warriors have looked fallible is Iguadala who can guard everybody and can make just enough plays to keep you honest. Him not playing makes them makes them a little bit more beatable than they have been. But but how do you view the importance of Durant? versus the importance of Curry. It it feels like Curry, you know, delivers those knockout blows with the threes, but I'm not sure they're as as important if you don't have, you know, the steady diet of of twos and occasional threes and the ability to just go get a bucket that you have with Durant and Durant can be, he's not always, but can be so much more effective at the defensive end. How do you view the uh, uh, as a player and now an analyst the balance between the two?
4: Well, I totally agree with everything you just said. I think it's Durant's consistency and all-around offensive game that allows Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to, when they get hot and hit two or three threes in a row, bam, you go from a five-point game to a 15-point game to a 25-point game. The Warriors are one of those teams where you literally can't relax for a minute because in one minute, that could be the difference between having a chance to win or, or losing by 20. Uh, Durant can get his shot off anywhere, anytime. He he has the ultimate all-around game. He can handle the ball. He can bring it up. He can post up. He can drive. He can shoot threes. He can shoot pull-ups. He's seven feet tall. He's long. If you ever need a, a play or your offense is in stagnation, you can throw Durant's ball and say go, and he's going to – probably get a bucket for you and that's an amazing luxury to have on a team that already had won championships and set records before even uh joined the roster
3: matt bonner joining us in the doug gottlieb show an analyst for the spurs radio network he joins us in the doug gottlieb show here on fox sports Excuse me, tv analyst he joins us on uh, fox sports radio of course two-time nba champion as well playing in a final four team for the florida gators joining us here on fox sports radio um I when, when I watched your Spurs teams play against LeBron in the finals, what I distinctively remembered was, you guys, I don't want to say you dared him to shoot, but you dared him to shoot, right? Kept him shooting kind of those mid-range jump shots, made him kind of think about it. And look, there were times, the Game 7, for example, we just discussed, he made them, but many other times he did not. He has a tendency to kind of think about his jump shot a little bit too much, more so than some of the other great players we've seen, Has he broken out of that from your perspective, or is he? Does he still? uh, Does he still think too much about his jump shot?
4: Uh, I think he's a much better shooter now, later in his career, than back in thirteen and fourteen when we played him. He he uh, seems to have a a better balance and understanding of when to drive and and when to shoot it. I think his percentages, especially in the playoffs, have reflected that as far as efficiency. For sure, when we played him, you know, it was, what does LeBron do best? Well, he's a freak athlete. He's incredibly strong. He's a freight train when he gets going, especially going right. We want to do everything we can to take that away from him and and make him beat us with the perceived weakness of of his shooting. And and if he does, if you make shots, you you shake his hand, you tip your cap, and you go to dinner, as Coach Pop likes to say. Uh, but we don't want him beating us in the paint to the rim using his superior strength and athleticism. Um, you know, now its I, I think he's made enough jumpers to, where you have to play him a little bit more honest yep. in that regard. Um, but that being said, it, it's incredible the, the workload that guy has taken on throughout these playoffs. He, he literally plays every single minute um, almost – Every offensive possession is run through him, you know. Pick and roll, get 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 a switch, so he has an advantage, and then he's going to create for for someone. I I have no idea how he does it.
3: Uh, um, I I thought Kerr did a masterful job making adjustments in game two. Obviously, using Javale McGee, uh, using Livingston yeah, a little I agree bit. With that. Yeah, you, yeah, yep. and and it gave them a different look. Gave him a rim some some protection at the rim, um, and gave him somebody who can finish better. Looney's just not not the finisher that he is, doesn't dunk everything yet. Um, a, a dis- yeah, I, Go ahead.
4: I mean, just to that point, I agree with you on the McGee thing. If, if, if McGee can execute uh, offensively and defensively so he can stay on the court without getting into foul trouble, he's one of those guys where normally that, if that's a loony or someone, that guy can really help out. Um, but with McGee, you take one or two steps, they, they put it right to the rim and it's, it's two points on the alley-oop. It's a huge uh, advantage if he can stay on the court.
3: Yeah, and then and then he there were times in which they they doubled LeBron kind of early. They picked him up earlier because in game one, they they kind of dared him to shoot and he got it going and he had a rhythm and they couldn't get him out of the rhythm. Whereas it felt like they tried to disrupt his rhythm. They doubled him a little bit, made other guys make plays, and this team just isn't constructed that way. This team, this Cavaliers team, is built with shooters all around the ultimate playmaker in LeBron, and those guys didn't make plays. That, that, that an accurate assessment of, of some of the, you know, if, if we were to give a listener uh, an evaluation of the adjustments that he made?
4: Yeah, this Warriors team, they're they're in their fourth state straight finals. They've won two championships. Really should have won all three. They, they uh, blew a 3-1 lead. Draymond Green obviously got suspended. We know that whole story. If you want to beat a team as talented and well-coached as the Warriors, LeBron needs his teammates to be able to step up and make plays, especially if if Steve Kerr is going to put even more attention on LeBron with earlier double teams and trapping him out of pick and rolls and that kind of stuff. One thing I think we've seen with the Cavs is those those role players tend to, and I think this is true across the sport, role players tend to play better at home. So it will be interesting to see if they can step up and make some shots and get some momentum here in Game 3, get a win, and then see what happens going going to Game 4 and moving forward. But for sure, if, if Steve Kerr is going to be more aggressive with those adjustments, he, LeBron needs his teammates to step up.
3: Um, this is kind of an outside-the-box question. Matt Bonner joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. It felt like Tim Duncan retired at just the right moment, right? Because I don't know... I don't know how he operates in that Houston, Houston Golden State Series. Like it's a whether whether you want to argue he was the greatest, he's a power forward or center, whatever. Like they just his position has kind of been eliminated because of how he plays. Do you think that Tim Duncan, if he was Tim Duncan now in his prime would be what he was in his prime?
4: I think so, and I think as long as there's still a five-man or a center on the court, Tim Duncan would thrive. You look at the Houston team, as long as Capella's on the court, I mean, if they put Ryan Anderson at the, at the five, which they do sometimes, that, that might be a tough matchup for him, but Tim's ability to play angles and use his length and his timing on pick and rolls is, is the best I've ever seen in my entire life. So if, if you put him on a guy like Capella and you have Harden, Harden and Chris Paul coming off pick and rolls and Capella's rolling, I, I completely have full confidence that Timmy can navigate that and be able to kind of play in between, use his length, play the angles to be able to contain those pick and rolls with Capella diving to the hoop for those logs. Um, so, so I... I I have to disagree with you
3: on that. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know. I just know you know nobody scores in the post. They they let you be so physical in the post. That it's really really hard. And you know, with everybody playing kind of the you know playing the PPP and saying hey, post ups are a point seven seven. Don't post up. Instead, face up. All these big guys shooting threes. I mean, like I I just I don't know if if uh, if those seventeen foot turnaround bank shots off the glass would be something we'd be playing for today. And he'd be covering you know James Harden or or LeBron James or, or Steph Curry off of a ball screen nearly the way he used to because the personnel and the spacing has changed so much.
4: Yeah, but but he wouldn't have to guard those guys off ball screens because, like I said, his ability to play angles and use his length is otherworldly. So he, he'd he be able to, you know, Coach Pop, and the way you guard those pick and rolls, he'd be able to... Uh, you know, have the guard fight fight over. I mean, I'm not going to get down and break break into it. Sure, joke, sure, no question. Yeah,
3: yeah,
4: I I think as long as he's guarding a five, like a like a roller, um, then he's fine defensively and and offensively. I, I mean, he was he's always kind of he's the ultimate competitor. Mm-hmm. He's he's a great passer. He, he's a team player. He's not someone who needs to get his shots to be effective on the offensive end. I think you can throw him the ball, uh, either whether it's the, the high post up at the elbows or off the block, uh, fifteen to seventeen feet, where he likes to face up and go middle or shoot that bank shot, and and that's a place where you have to deal with him, and he's going to be able to make a play either for himself to score or or make the right play for his team. Um, he's the ultimate team player. He he doesn't care about personal glory or stats or anything. And because of that, you know, that's that's the biggest thing that made him such a great player. And that's, to me, timeless. Right,
3: Obviously, how, is fundamental. How likely are we to have a series? You know, they they got to win Game 3 in order for us to have a series. How likely are we to have a series?
4: I, I think unlikely. And I love the Cavs. I think it's amazing. The run they've had. Um, bronze, incredible. Uh, I, I like all their role players, but... I think all season, the Eastern Conference is the for second place.
3: If if you were a betting man, would Kawhi be wearing a Spurs jersey game one next year? Next year,
4: oh, I, I have no idea, and I'm not a betting man. I'm afraid to, I, I wouldn't gamble five dollars. That's that's how much of a win I, I But have no is, but
3: but but the fact is, the fact you didn't say absolutely does lead me to think like, okay, well maybe not, right? Like, is, is that is that you wrong? You
4: can read into it however you want. I, I honestly have zero
3: clue. Hmm. What do you think LeBron plays next year? Uh,
4: somewhere in the Eastern Conference.
3: Hmm. All right, man, listen, uh, I'm going to hit you up offline. I need some New Hampshire spots because I, I do spend a little bit of time there. It is Your state is a beautiful state. I got you. Yeah, beautiful, got you. beautiful, beautiful state. Appreciate, oh, thank you. You. Thank you. Appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the time with your family. And thanks for joining us. All
4: right,
3: anytime. Take care. My man, the Red Mamba, Matt Bonner,
2: joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
3: Uh, Longtime NFL offensive lineman, Ephraim Salam. Of course, you can hear him every Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio. Played 13 years in the National Football League. Here was the premise, Ephraim, how I started the show. So earlier today, as you know, Ah, uh, the president of the United States uninvited the Eagles to the White House. See, I actually thought he had won this thing, right? I thought he's he was the Falcons in the Super Bowl, up twenty-eight to three. He got he got them to change their policy. the The protests were kind of going away, and he you know divided the country, reinvigorated his base. He won, but by pointing out that a bunch of guys weren't coming anyway, by making it more obvious. They weren't coming. Instead of putting the pressure on them and them no-showing on his party, he, he made himself out to be the small one. He punched down, and that's a mistake. I think he takes the L today. What's your interpretation?
1: That's exactly right. You know, he, he's the type of person that is the, the definition of being petty, right? Like petty people, no matter what hand they're dealt, they always feel like they have to lash out. And you you find him in this situation where you're right. He won. He had the NFL, who has not been a fan of Trump, throughout the history of him trying to get a team, and no commissioner would let him get a team, to where he had them bend to his will this year about the national anthem and the protest. And then he goes and completely, just for no reason, if it was 10 players there, That would have been a bigger statement for him opposed to, well, if you don't bring everybody, then I'm canceling it because it's that ego. He has to get rid of that ego. Well, he will never get rid of the ego, but it's that ego. Like I can't take a picture with just 10 players and, you know, 43 other players decide not to come. He he just, his, his ego wouldn't allow him to take that hit. And with that, he took a bigger L.
3: What do NFL players do week one of the season?
1: Um, I pray to God that they all kneel. God, that would just send a
3: huge message.
1: That would, or that would, that house of cards would come come crumbling down.
3: What What's it like? It, the, what What's it like though? If you're if you you don't want like, is there is there a way? Because last year, you know, you had some guys kneel, but you had plenty of guys that didn't, and it didn't seem to fracture teams. Does it? Be, right. Does it? Does it become a fracturing moment if you don't support your teammates who kneel this year?
1: Well, now, because now it's, the narrative has changed again. So now it's about us against them. So when Trump came out with the SOB comment, the owners l- led us to believe that they were with us, right? That they were with the players. We're going to unify. You guys are our players. We're not going to let anybody talk disrespectful to you guys. You guys have families and so on and so forth. So they came out. They locked arms. going to We're going we're gonna to have these meetings. We're going to donate this money and do such and such and such and such. And then they come out and build to his win, so so now they've drawn the line in the sand, right? The players have come out and say, "Hey, look, it's not about being unpatriotic, but they go ahead and side with Trump and 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 put this rule in place." So now it's literally, what are you gonna do, right? And now, now look, it's the same it's
3: the same rule the NBA has, and and right. you know in the NBA finals, they sing the national anthem. Nobody nobody takes a knee.
1: Absolutely not. Okay. The difference is that the NBA players have a voice in the situation, right? Remember when when LeBron James and everybody uh, wore the Can't Breathe uh, shirts? Some guys wear uh, 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 Black Lives Matter uh, shooting shirts and so on and so forth, and they have that stage in their press conference to talk about anything they would like to talk about in terms of social issues. The NFL does not allow those players to have that type of stage. And what I mean by that is the NBA is a player-driven league, the NFL is not a player-driven league. I, the I, NFL I understand, is but, but all about the
3: look, the, the reality though Ephraim, is you can wear like you know your pregame cleats, much like their pregame shooting shirts, pregame cleats. You wear what you want. You know, during a press conference, you talk about what you want.
1: Yeah, but nobody films the pregame of the NFL.
3: Yes, they do. That's right? that's absolutely no, not true. No.
1: Absol- no, absolutely, absolutely not now.
3: true. The app that is Are not. You? Yeah, I'm Odell Beckham Jr. Every pregame is filmed. Antonio Brown. Yes. Every pregame is filmed. And they And they and they tweet out Why? every one of their. Why? Because of his catch. Because the one hand catches.
1: That, that's it. All, they're they're tuning in for the catch.
3: Okay, but the game all they do for pregame for for the NBA is Steph Curry warming up, dribbling the basketball, or shooting from from uh, from from the from the hallway. Right. It's it's the, it's the same thing with the same. Like, look, do do I, I I agree with you that Trump took the L? But this idea that NBA players have a voice, like, no, they don't. They have the chance to take a knee. They don't. They do stuff before the game, which is when NFL players can do it before the game. The, the NBA
1: is far more a player-friendly organization in terms of when Donald Sterling came out and talked out of pocket. What did they do immediately? What did they do immediately? This wasn't even a discussion. Yeah, but hold on, the, same, the same same thing happened. You on, have say- to sell the team right now. Dude, what do you think that's happened that's- in Carolina?
3: What do you think happened in Carolina? There was there was it wasn't racism, but it was it was sexual harassment, and the owner, yeah. who's a former player, they made him sell the team. It's the same thing, e.
1: No, nah, it's not the same thing. Bro. It was the It really isn't. I wish it was, because it, this would be a, a, a smoother transition. It would be a smoother uh, a, a situation that we're dealing with. It's not the same thing, because the fact of the matter is the owners got together themselves and came up with a rule to stop players from protesting.
3: I, I understand, the, but the, the, but the rule. The would never do that. They have they the exact same rule, Ephraim. The exact, yeah, they have, The rule is
1: already in place. The rule because, is already in place.
3: Because they had somebody who wouldn't stand for the flag, so they put the rule in place. Period. Yeah, <laughs> there's, man. There's literally, I, look, I love you, okay? But there's no, <laughs> there's no difference between the two. And the idea that no one films the pregame, dude, no one filmed the pregame in the NBA until Steph Curry did his dribbling stuff. No one filmed the pregame in the NFL until uh, until uh, Odell Beckham Jr. started doing the one-hand catches. And you can wear your pregame cleats just like they can wear their pregame shirts. There is no difference. You can talk about what you want in your press conference. All they've said is, if you come out, you're going to stand for the flag, which is the exact same thing it says in the NBA rule.
1: Do you believe that that should be a rule? <sighs>
3: Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I believe that there are enough people in, uh, there, are, there is enough people in the country. Yeah, I actually, th- I do think you should stand for the flag. I do. I do. I, I first of all, I actually think that Kaepernick, like, look, Kaepernick, uh, has accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. He started a conversation, which I think all of us would deem uncomfortable to have in sports. The problem is Kaepernick just doesn't know how to lead this conversation. No matter how many good works he does, he never has never gotten from the microphone and been the leader of this, even though, whereas Trump takes Kaepernick doesn't know how to take credit for what he's done. Trump takes credit for things that he has not has nothing to do with, right? Like that's the, the complete opposites of each other. So, but, but do I think, yeah, I think when you play the national anthem, you should stand up for it. I do. Uh, regardless of regardless of, of how bad, uh, some things are for some people, uh, right. and and look, there are also, also like look, I'm somebody who I understand the protest and the timing of the protest, but I think that it's different on a Memorial Day or on September 11th. You better stand, or you know, uh, for example, when the Houston Rockets welcome in the uh, Parkland survivors choir, like I would stand up for them. Um, so right. it's, it's a it's a very tricky one because you don't want to disrespect. First responders that are doing things the right way. I I would in fact stand. I do think there should be a rule, uh, but I also think that you know, NFL players have taken the bait. This that's what Trump tried to do. We baited you, baited you, baited you into then protesting him instead of protesting what you re- originally wanted to protest. I think it's a complicated and thing,
1: and I and I and I think that's the problem. I think the problem is that the narrative shifted to favor Donald Trump. And that's not even what the the intent was. So now all me and you are talking about is the whole Trump thing and the and the rules. And our, we're not even talking about the issue. And nobody's talking about the issue. I just got off CNN, and every time I'm on there, I always bring up the issue that started it all. And no one has any answers or any willing to address it. And, and the Sarah uh, Sanders Huckabee today didn't even want to acknowledge a reporter. Who was saying, "Hey, has the president made any statement about the actual uh, protest itself in terms of the reason uh, being police brutality and minority?" Comm- she didn't even want to deal with this. I, I'm moving on. You're being rude. Like it just, and that's the problem that I'm having. The fact that you can sweep the narrative under the rug, the rug, and create your own and make it all about that—that's the problem I'm having because the issue is still happening in our communities. We just saw Sterling Brown, uh, the, the video come out of Sterling Brown being just com- uh, egregiously uh, uh, mishandled by 10 police officers. That's the problem I'm having. We're talking about Donald Trump and whether or not the rules should be implemented for standing for the national anthem and not, hey, let's stop, being, let's stop police brutality. When are we going to start talking about that?
3: Listen, I agree. I do actually think that conversation takes place. I think that's why the body cameras for both sides, it helps. It ends up helping both sides. It it does show that some people lie when they when they accuse the cops of mistreating them. And I think it shows Sterling Brown, who, you know, he parked illegally, should have gotten a ticket, didn't deserve to be tased. And the fact that none of the cops reacted like, oh, we shouldn't have done that was was appalling to anybody who has a pulse. And I, I don't I don't know how you I don't know how you regain the how you change the narrative back. But I actually think today was a win, whereas there have been so many losses for it because Trump appeared petty instead of somebody who was the leader of the free world.
1: I get it. And I understand that. And the fact of the matter is, it's not, it's the behavior of the police is the the reason, but it's the prosecution of that behavior. That is the problem, right? But that's the problem. That nothing, they've been disciplined. They've missed a little work, but... Come on now, like that's not that's not good enough. Administrative leave—that's not good enough. That's the uh, that's the real protest. That's what we're, we need to be talking about in terms of what's going to happen. When does justice happen for the killing of unarmed minorities and the mistreatment? That's the problem, right? Yeah, it's appalling to see it happen, but to see nothing happen to the aggressors—that's where and that's where the original protest is. Everybody's turning a blind eye, and they always say it's just a few bad apples. But it's certain jobs, and I think you would agree with this. It's certain jobs that you don't want any bad apples. Take in mind: Would you want your surgeon to be a bad apple? No. No, but you. But but you hold on. But you do. Police officer to be a bad apple.
3: I, 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 I I I I I agree with you. I also understand the reality of it. Is it's really it's really. Would you sign up to be a cop? Like, I wouldn't. No, I, I would it, not. It's, right. So, so when they get people to sign up, you know, they, they do the best they can, you know, it's, it's look a different light, but it's like school teachers, right? I think a lot of times school teachers, they sign up for the right reasons and then some of them change and mature and become people that you don't really want around kids and they have tenure, but it's really, it's, it's a very difficult thing. And I think that the body cameras and the body cameras are, are really important. They're very important because uh, the, the the entire picture doesn't lie when we see them, when they're on, you know, right. and there should, so I, I look, it's, it's more complicated than we're doing it justice. You're right. You're and, right. and, and cause I know, cause, and I think that, you know, Kaepernick shot, you know, to take the pun out, but he shot himself in the foot with the cop pig socks and with yep. the Castro shirt didn't help him. And some of the, th- I just think he was the wrong guy for it. All that said, He's actually accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish, and now getting the president to take an L on it today would be a win if he knew how to if he knew how to to champion that win. That's I think my my thing. You know hey.
1: what? Wouldn't the world be a better place if it got along like me and you?
3: Yeah, I don't really like you though. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it would be. Well, I love it, you. It would be. It would be. All right, dude. Good discussion. We'll talk real football upcoming
2: next. Okay. Absolutely. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: But he had to not have any when he was left. And then he inherited like a $10 million or something crazy like that. If he could get rid of every penny. And he did. Like the best one was he bought those stamps and then he mailed them. <laughs> he bought like $100,000 stamps and then he mailed something with it, which was genius you couldn't spend 186 and you like, well you know the tax man takes half of it okay you can't spend 90 million dollars plus he's made money outside of basketball and he's smart and he's invested he's got houses all over like you're not you're not losing money on these houses all over the place right like i don't i don't even think i don't even if you did drugs and yeah, if you did drugs and had a gambling, he doesn't have kids outside of wedlock. Like the, with the expensive things, divorce hadn't happened. Drug prop doesn't do it. Gambling doesn't appear to do it. Right. He's diversified. Like you can't spend. So I don't want to take a hundred million more out of his pocket. But if you go like, Hey dude, you could make a hundred million more, or you could make 50 million more and win a championship. What would you do? Grinky would say, take that money, dude. But think of how much it changes you if you win a championship. And then the problem is, you know, he's been the head of the player association and the player association is going to push him and hey, you can't take less. That looks bad. More, more, more. Plus he's a LeBron guy and LeBron always take, get, get as much as you can. Owners are taking as much as they can. Why can't you?